Let your worries be the smoke. We can let our worries be the fire and continually stoke them with more worries. Or we can let our worries be the smoke and let them disappear into the horizon. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. This morning, and I'm recording this on Thursday, May 28th, I had the opportunity to listen to a webinar called 90 Ideas in 90 Minutes, and it's hosted by the Corridor Business Journal in, in the area of Iowa that I live in. And they invited nine business leaders from the community to come in and share in 10 minutes, 10 lessons that are important to them. They were really, really great ideas. So good that I took multiple pages of notes about them. And I want to share some of them with you today. And there'll be more than 10. So you'll definitely get quite a few of them, but it won't be the full 90, I promise on that. The first speaker is Tony Bedard, and he is the CEO of Frontier Co-op. The first one that he shared is it starts with integrity. Integrity is the basis of all relationships, whether it be your employees, your customers, or your business partners. So very true. But where he really piqued my interest was number four. Know your company's why. And in the notes that were provided by, by the Corridor Business Journal, it says, as businesses, we know what products and markets we compete in, and we know how we need to compete. But do we know why we are doing what we do? I firmly believe that that is a struggle that most businesses have, especially as it relates to creating credible and relatable marketing messages, is that they, they don't know why they're doing what they do. And as such, they have a hard time being able to communicate that and convince their prospective customers to use their services. Mr. Bedard makes that a priority. He put that as one of his top 10 leadership ideas that we need to all embrace. The next one that he said is think infinite versus finite. There is no finish line. When making decisions for your company, base them in the assumption that you're operating your business into perpetuity. Those two points right there are fundamental tenets of Simon Sinek. Know your company's why. Why does it exist to begin with? Why are we doing the work we're doing? What is the bigger good that we serve in the community? Because your why statement is your contribution and the results of it. How are you making an impact with what you're doing? That's, your, that's what your why is about. And then that infinite versus finite. When we think with an infinite mindset, we believe that something is, it's going to just go on and on and on and on. So you're always just looking for what's the next thing that I need to do and how am I going to get there, knowing full well that once you get there, there's going to be more for you to do. As opposed to when you're finite, you're operating as if it's going to stop at some point. What business really ever thinks that they're going to stop? The last one I want to share from Mr. Bedard is his number 10. You're not special. Every job in your company is equally important. 
It's the individual performers who are special. As a leader, you're not, you're not special. It's all everybody collectively together doing what they need to do that's going to move you closer to your, your individual goals. Next up to speak this morning was Tara Cronbaugh. She is the president owner of Java House Coffee Roasters here in the corridor area. And Java House, if you've ever been in this, in this community at all, is a staple coffee shop. It's been around since 1994 when Tara came up with the idea in a classroom at the University of Iowa. So the things that, that she said that, I, that really resonated with me was our words are an extension of who we are, which goes back to what Mr. Bedard said about integrity. In fact, she acknowledged that she felt that he had taken the words out of her mouth when he, when he started with that. Another concept that she shared that I liked a lot was stop making decisions after 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. And her story with that was just that it allows you to take time, be away from work, so that when you are at work, you are more focused and more intentional about what you're doing there and more present. But equally, then you're also more present when you are with your family and your friends after 5 p.m. And the third one I wanted to share is accept your fears as a challenge to yourself to grow stronger. What is it that you fear doing? And is it an opportunity for you to grow stronger? I, I challenge you to think about that because, because I think oftentimes that's what happens is we tend to allow fear to stop us in our tracks. The next person to speak this morning was Suresh Gunis Karan. And I probably did a horrible job of pronouncing, of pronouncing his last name. He is currently the CEO of University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. He started off sharing that he had written the initial draft of these before, before COVID. And as you can imagine, a hospital, especially a large academic medical center such as University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, they've been dealing with a lot over the last three months. His top 10 ideas that he wanted to share really focus on what they have overcome as a leadership team in the last three months, you know, since mid-March. I could easily share all 10 of his, but I won't. But these are the ones that really stood out to me. Help women lead. And he went on to say that half of our leaders should be women. I know a lot of the leadership at University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, and half of them are women, or close to. And I appreciated that he understood the value that women bring to the leadership table. We share a different perspective, and we view things slightly differently than what men do. In fact, I listened to another podcast that was talking about much the same thing. So it was interesting to hear his perspective on that half of our leaders should be women and then listen to this podcast which is the pattern of purpose podcast that I listen to frequently with Kim Wenzel and she interviewed a woman who is a creative director freelance creative director and she was talking about the value of having women involved in the creative decision making process around marketing messages specifically because you can tell if you have a man writing the words for a product that is predominantly used by women, there's a disconnect. And that when you can bring a women's perspective into that, you are more likely to hit the mark. 
I just felt that that really aligned with what what Suresh was saying when he said, help women lead, bring them to the table, make sure that half of your leaders are women. The next one that he mentioned was love your community. He talked about this in regards to that at this point in time, it became more important than ever for the university to realize the role they played in the overall health of the community as a whole. And that community boundary extended further than just the Iowa City area. They are a provider of health care for the entire state. Be humbled by the magic of others and embrace the competition. When going in and trying to figure out how to be able to manage the health care of individuals with COVID and the health care of individuals who do not have COVID, they looked to other academic centers across the country and around the world to see how others were doing it and figured out what would work well here. What could they learn from others? How could they collaborate and be able to help expand the knowledge of what was happening around the care of these patients? You have to be humble and be able to recognize when you need to step back and say, you know what, the way they're doing it is better. We can, we can learn from that in business as well. That is a, a great piece of advice to, to think about. And he also encouraged people in the room that were CEOs to remember that they do not do the real work, the real hard, heavy lifting work. The CEO is there to, to oversee everything, to be the champion for what needs to be done. But the actual heavy lifting, especially in the case of a hospital, is done by the nurses, the physicians, the housekeeping staff the respiratory therapists, all of the people who have a more direct line to taking care of the patients that are coming to them for help. Sometimes you're wrong. Don't be afraid to admit it. I think that says it all. We oftentimes have a hard time admitting when we've made a mistake or when we've gone a direction that didn't work the way we thought it would. And you need to step back, recognize that it didn't work, admit it, and move on. And when you do that, you're honoring the people that are working with you and building up that ability for them to trust and respect you more. And the last one is believe that you will change the world. In our own way, we all will do that in some capacity. And we just need to remember that and believe that we can do it. Nate Kading is a former NFL player and is currently the Director of Business Development for Build a Suit Incorporated here locally, and he is a former Hawkeye football player. He shared his examples or his ideas as it related to the pressure that he felt as a kicker in any big game. And probably the key takeaway I had from him is this, the consequences of failure are rarely as bad as what you have imagined. Just take the step. Make the decision to do it. Understand that you might fail, but recognize it's probably not going to be as bad. It's not going to be as big of a deal as what your brain allows you to think it will be. Handling criticism is a lot like walking in the rain. Once you get wet, what's another drop? He attributed this to one of his NFL coaches. That quote really struck me because... How often do we allow ourselves to get so focused on somebody criticizing what we've done or worrying 
about the potential criticism that we may receive that we stop or we hesitate or we just abandon the idea altogether. And when you think about it in terms of a raindrop, once you get wet, what's the difference if you continue to get wet? Let them criticize. Move on. Learn from it. Understand where you need to accept some constructive criticism. And the last one is actually the one he started with, which is preparation is your armor against pressure. If you're prepared and so prepared that it is second nature for you, of course you might feel pressure, but you are prepared and you're ready to deal with whatever is coming at you. Mary Kempf is the Vice President of Finance here at Pearson. Her top 10 really focused around a particular challenging time for her team and what she learned through that experience. You only get one big, messy, exhausting, inspiring life. Fill it up so that you have used every last ounce of opportunity for exploration, joy, and love. There is no rewind button, so live without regrets and embrace every opportunity to live life to its fullest capacity. She then went on to say, whether in life or business, make sure you know your purpose. Keep asking yourself why until you've dug deep into the root of what drives the purpose. It's not about what you are doing, who you are with, or how you got there. As long as you know why, you will be right. And that leads to the fact that only you can be who you are. Be yourself authentically, ruthlessly, unapologetically. Your heart, your personality, your ideas, you are on this earth for a purpose and you are the only one uniquely qualified to do what you are meant to do. It's so, so true. We oftentimes hear so many people saying that they're trying to achieve a better work-life balance and that they're making changes in their life to do something in hopes that it will create some level of balance. She advises us that there is no such thing as work-life balance. As long as you recognize that it's one big, messy, exhausting, inspiring life and you know what your purpose is, balance will work itself out if you keep your purpose as your highest priority. And the last person that I wanted to share some insights from is Steve Shriver. Steve is the CEO of Ecolips, and he also is a serial entrepreneur, is how I would describe him. And he is someone who, if you've been around this area for very long, you know who he is because he is always, he's always doing something, which really makes sense when you hear what his number one leadership message was. Don't start a business, start a movement. Satisfy the needs of your stakeholders, those employees, customers, vendors, and community. Start a movement. That's what he does. Everything that he does is centered around community and how can it create change in the community. Market or die. Opportunities are everywhere, but you need to be constantly looking for them. Communicate or deteriorate. Don't minimize the value of communication or make assumptions that others just know what's supposed to be going on or that they've already heard it. The summit is only halfway. 
once you've reached the top, you still must get down safely. Think about that. We achieve to reach our goals. But once we're there, what do we do? We can't just stop. And I think oftentimes that's what we think we can do. So we, well, we've hit the top of where we we're going to go. So now we just need to stop and, and, and then what? We have to decide what our next step is. And the next step, if you're at the top of where you want to go, might be a scary one, might be a challenging one. It might be unknown, but we still have to do something. We can't just stay there and be stagnant. And your rise to the top maybe has changed a lot of the things and the assumptions of what you felt would be the next thing to happen. And so what the plan was maybe isn't the same plan that you're going to go forward with. And this last one, I had to read it a couple of times before it really sunk in with me what he meant. Let your worries be the smoke. We can let our worries be the fire and continually stoke them with more worries. Or... We can let our worries be the smoke and let them disappear into the horizon. I've thought a lot about these ideas. And the thing that keeps coming back to me is that they are all rooted in understanding purpose, understanding why. Why are we doing what we do? Why are we in the business that we are in? Why does the business exist? And when we understand those ideas, We understand the purpose, the role that we individually play in the greater good of the community, that we collectively as a business play in the greater good of the community and those around us. It lifts all of us up. It creates a level of success that is authentic and valuable. But it also brings us together when we all collectively work for the greater good and come together as a company for that individual mission, we're going to go further together than what we would individually. There's so many cliches that run through my mind when, as I said that right now, but collectively we do better than we do on our own. And when a leader that you work for or that you are that you are surrounded by inspires you you're going to do more for that person you're going to do more for that greater good and understand the role that it plays in the success of the greater good we all have a reason for being here we all have contributions to make we all have strengths that make it possible for us to give and make those contributions to our families, to our friends, to the organizations that we work for or that we represent in some capacity and to the community in which we live. This to me is why purpose is so important. So I hope that sharing these ideas gives you all something to think about and inspires you to reflect on what you're doing in your day-to-day to make a change or to make an impact and inspire others around you. Since this is the last episode in the month of May, 
This is my favorites file. I've taken up quite a bit of time already with recounting the lessons from the 90 lessons in 90 minutes summary that I just shared, but I wanted to also take a moment to share a podcast episode that I found earlier in the month, and I've thought about it multiple times throughout the month, and I think the reason that I have is because it is, it's an interview with someone who is working in the ER in a major metropolitan area and is seeing the challenges that are happening in healthcare because of the pandemic. The interview was done on Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman, and and the title of it is Crisis Lessons from Inside the ER with Dr. Bon Koo. And Dr. Koo, as I said, is an ER physician, and he's the director of the Health Design Lab at Jefferson University in Philadelphia. The description for the episode says that he takes us inside and shares the perspective of what is happening working in an ER. And he shares some valuable insights that I think that we collectively as a community need to think about as it relates to our healthcare. And one of the things he mentions is the idea that we need to stop looking at healthcare as as a profit center, as a means for taking care of the the ill, which I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but what he means by that is that we need to shift our focus on creating wellness and promoting wellness to our consumers, to to the general public, as opposed to just being the place that they go to when they're sick and foster a healthier society. He also shares that how challenging it is to be an ER physician or an ER staff because it doesn't matter what role you're playing in the ER, especially if you're in a large metropolitan area where, where the amount of COVID patients is significantly higher than it is you know, where I'm at in Iowa. I don't think it has gotten to the degree of what they're facing in New York or you know, for him in the Philadelphia area. And that's things like those staff are making the conscious decisions to not stay at home. They're living in hotels to protect their family, to lower the, the opportunity for exposure to their family. They're going into work every day knowing that they will be exposed to this virus that people know very little about and how they're learning more and more and more every day, but that because journals take long time to produce and that's the source of where they where a physician or where a healthcare provider typically goes to seek out what's next as it relates to caring for somebody who who is in front of them and they've tried everything that they know to do typically they would go to a journal and look up what's been done research wise what's been published this is moving too fast. They don't have that ability. So where are they going? They're going to social media. Wow, think about that. They're going to social media to find out how to care for the patient and asking questions of people who are healthcare teams or in other parts of the country or other parts of the world and say, hey, I have, I have a patient that's presenting with this and this and this and they've not responded to this treatment or that treatment. How, what have you done? How have you done it? Another thing that he talked about is the fact that that need to be able to get be able to communicate with other healthcare providers around the world a barrier i guess is really what it is is our own electronic health record 
and that our electronic health record was built to serve a billing purpose, not to serve a population health or community health benefit where there is a certain amount of blinded information about a person's diagnosis and treatment and subsequent next steps where it goes into a database and they can search of, I have patient A who has XYZ going on. I can look up what what some other provider in another part of the country or another part of the world did that was successful for a patient that met a similar set of criteria that, to what I am currently facing in front of me now. They can't do that. And it's because of the way the systems were set up. It was the motivation behind why they were set up. It was the purpose of them, the intention of them. And now there's a greater purpose, one that's probably more beneficial in the long run that can't be achieved because of the way something was built. All of that is all my personal opinion about about what he said. I, I encourage you to listen to it if you're at all interested in hearing the perspective of someone who is truly on the front lines, caring for patients every day, trying to figure out how to balance being a husband and helping his children understand what's happening while being a caring, compassionate provider to those that he made a pledge to, to care for. It's, it's a riveting conversation that I think everybody should listen to. Now, I understand this topic has become very politicized, and I hesitated to even share anything of my, of my feelings about it. But like I said, this episode of this podcast or this interview just kept bubbling to the top of my mind throughout the entire month. And I listened to it probably the day after it was released, which I noticed was early May. And so for a good 20, 22 days, I've thought about this, about this interview and the challenges that this man has faced. And in turn, then think about my friends and former colleagues who work in the healthcare space and what it is that they've been facing. I guess that's the empathy strength in me coming out is that I want to understand. I seek to understand so that I can, so that I can empathize. As we wrap up this episode, I just want to share a couple of additional things with you. I have been really focused over the last few weeks of finding some exciting guests to bring on to the show that can share their wisdom in different aspects of industry and how they how they view purpose as a core component of the work that they do, whether it is that their purpose aligns with what they're doing and drives them to achieve better outcomes and better experiences with their clients, or if it is that they see purpose as being a critical component in the work that they do. So I'm looking forward to sharing those with you. In fact, I'm recording three or four episodes this coming week. So over the next two months, we'll have several interviews to be able to share. And I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend Shuva Rahim, who has joined the ranks of podcast host just in the last couple of weeks. She released a show called Untrained Wisdom. The description she shared about her show is this. If you're an older adult or have maturing loved ones and welcome inspiration and ideas on leading a more enriching life, this podcast is for you. 
untrained wisdom introduces you to ordinary people who have redefined the paradigm on what it means to become older, and industry leaders whose expertise guides seasoned generations to live more fulfilling lives. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does with this show and learning from the guests that she brings to the airwaves. Lastly, I'd like to remind you that I put together a worksheet to um, help you utilize the tips that I shared in the last four episodes on the Educate, Engage, and Empower framework. I will put a link to that download on the show notes for this episode, as well as it is there for the previous four episodes. Please download it, use it, and let me know how it's working for you. If it's helping you create that cheat sheet and making it easier for you to create compelling messages that instill in you a sense of clarity and consistency and confidence, because for me, that is the goal. We want you to be clear in your messages, consistently delivering them every time so that you and your audience are confident in the decisions you're making about your brand and your business. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.